Welcome to Mental Health and You. This podcast brings you the best information and advice from across the Norfolk and Suffolk Foundation Trust. Every fortnight, we will hear from one of our specialist areas, be it school and parent support, the recovery college, well-being or research. Welcome to the NSFT Research Edition. I'm Claire Mutimer and today I'm with an expert in PTSD and trauma in children. Um, hi, my name is Richard Miser Stedman. I'm a clinical psychologist and also a researcher based at the University of East Anglia. Hi Richard, I was wondering if you could explain how PTSD comes about in young children. That's a really important question and, and I think that's the sort of question I've been trying to look at for about 20 years really. And I think it's still something we're trying to clarify. It's really vitally important we understand um, how PTSD emerges. It's really inf- important information for deciding what kind of treatment we offer to young people. What we think at the moment is that it's very much related to how children perceive the trauma and how they remember it, so the ways in which they remember it. Um, and, and, and this is something we're exploring in all sorts of different ways to, to, to try and get greater clarity on exactly the, t- the ways in which me- the memory system uh, works in PTSD and how, yeah, how children make sense of the often really overwhelming and hard to under, understand experiences that they've been through. I know trauma is talked about a lot, but I wonder traumas and multiple traumas, can you explain what kind of things these might be? Yeah, um, well, I guess I, I, I don't own the definition of trauma and I think it, it, it's a really hard thing to pin down sometimes. I think that the sort of scientific research community would probably think about trauma as being something that involves a threat to life, either to yourself or to someone else. So you can be a wit- witnessing trauma is, is also seen as being really important, or it might be something involves something, a threat to your sort of bodily uh, or, or sexual integrity. So, so something like sexual violence as well. But, you know, one person's trauma may not be a, another person's trauma. So I, I think as a psychologist would really s- s- uh, stress the importance of how, how people, including children, perceive the experience what what something means to an individual can be can can really vary and, and, and seems to be a really really key part in what what makes a trauma sort of overwhelming and and damaging. Great. So I think the next thing to understand is how PTSD, post traumatic stress disorder, affects young people. Yeah. So PTSD is a really horrible condition. That the main symptoms of PTSD are uh, the re-experiencing symptoms. So it, uh, uh, memories of an, of, an, uh, of an experience popping into mind when you don't want it, and that might be when you're awake. It also can be uh, also occur when you're trying to get off to sleep or sleeping. So we, they might get really horrible nightmares. They might even sometimes get really uh, powerful feelings of feeling that like they're actually back there during a trauma, and that's often called a flashback. Uh, young people may also with PTSD be very avoidant so they avoid going near or even thinking about any reminders of a trauma and they might be also in a sort of very um, hyper aroused state so their body's really kind of alert to danger and possible threats so they're really being very very careful looking around very jumpy but also then sort of struggling to sleep struggling to concentrate and more irritable and I guess the net effect of all these symptoms as it can make many different areas of a young person's life much harder. So their schooling may be affected, their family life, uh, their friendships, and their general sort of perception of, the, of, of themselves and, and their general happiness 
can be very markedly um, affected. And what sort of numbers are we talking about, Richard, when we think about PTSD and young people? So trauma, being involved in some kind of trauma is probably fairly common. And some estimates would say up to a half, maybe even 60% of uh, children and young people will, will be involved in some kind of trauma by the age of, say, 16, 17, 18. So, so that, I guess, is quite worrying. However, the, the good news is that only a, typically only a minority of children and, and young people will then go on to develop PTSD. Um, it could be as low as 15, 20%. It depends on the trauma. But I guess at any given point in the population, we think something like 3 to 4% of children and young people might meet threshold for PTSD. So it, it's, it's actually a fairly common condition, unfortunately. Okay, great. And what is the thinking about what helps children with PTSD following multiple traumas? What do we know helps at the moment? So, yes, yeah, so one of the, the good news is that lots of children and young people don't, even if they've been involved in a trauma, don't go on to get PTSD. And that, that's quite important to stress. We do think that, that there are a large number of children in this country who meet P, uh, would meet diagnostic criteria for PTSD, we think about three, maybe as high as 4% of children and young people at any given time have PTSD. So it's something that is a, it's, it's a significant public health issue. Sure. And do you think that trauma and PTSD are on the rise? Really hard to tell if it's actually changing. I think we've only been really recognising that, that the, the kind of widespread nature of the problem in the last sort of 10 to 15 years. Um, and, and so I, I think it's hard to tell. I think that in many ways, I'm just pleased that people are giving it the recognition it deserves. There are plenty of young people who maybe once upon a time would have been labelled as having sort of behavioural problems or being difficult or so on. Now we're recognising, hang on, their, their difficulties might relate to uh, PTSD and a, and a reaction to some nasty experiences they've had. So I think this is... um. I think we're in a better place at recognising the impact of trauma on young people. That's good to hear. So what is the thinking about what helps children with PTSD following multiple traumas? What do we know really helps? Well, so far, um, most of the evidence that we have um, suggests that something um, called trauma-focused cognitive behavioural therapy. So this is a kind of psychotherapy, so a talking therapy, this is the intervention that has most evidence behind it for children and young people. And this goes back to your sort of first question, really. We think this kind of intervention, this sort of talking treatment, helps pe uh, children and young people to make sense of their memories um, and, and how their interpretations of, of the experiences that they've had. Um, and this is a, a, a treatment that's also been shown to work for children and young people who've been involved in single event traumas. And it's the so it's things like a car crash, something like that, a clear-cut one-off trauma. And this is the kind of intervention, the kind of support that is recommended by the NICE guidelines for PTSD, that, that they support offering trauma-focused cognitive behavioural therapy. Okay, great. So I think that brings us on to talk about one of your current studies. Um, is it Decrypt? Yeah, that's right, Decrypt. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. So... One of the things about the evidence base that we currently have for PTSD in children and young people is that it's there's not very much evidence at all that's really directly relevant to the UK. So this is the first UK study to look 
at the treatment of PTSD in a UK child and adolescent mental health service where the young people who come along to those services, often called CAMS, Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services, typically have had quite a lot of trauma and their needs are really quite complex. So we think that these are some of the more severe cases of PTSD that uh, are out there. And so some of the evidence that we've got probably doesn't really apply to them. But there's also lots and lots of questions that we want to look at in Decrypt. So we want to, again, see, does this very, very trauma focus, a real focus on thinking through the trauma in detail, is that a kind of the right way to go? But we also want to understand other things. So are there, we want to understand, first of all, how do young people get better? A bit more of a question, what is it that makes a difference? Is it something to do with, say, just having a really good relationship with a therapist? Or is there something about what the therapist is actually doing with that young person? We'd also like to understand things like, well, does everyone benefit from this kind of therapy? Well, maybe the fact that there's factors that perhaps stop you from getting the benefit. So it might be something to do with the, the nature of your experiences. It might be if you've got other difficulties. And we know that young people with PTSD rarely just have pure PTSD. They often have PTSD plus other things. That might be things like depression. It might be some more sort of complex difficulties. They might even have some difficulties like hearing voices and things like this. So understanding the how PTSD um, responds to treatment and how maybe the other difficulties um, have an effect is, is really quite important. We'd also like to really understand the perspective of both the young people themselves who are having therapy. Absolutely vital that we find out more about how what they make of therapy, but also we'd really like to understand what it's like for the therapists, the clinicians, mental health professionals working with them. It can be quite hard work to do this um, really trauma intense work. And so, so understanding what their perspective as well, we think is really important. Yeah, I really like the way that you're taking into account the people who are working in this field as well. How are you sort of recording their experiences? Yeah, you know, in a couple of ways. So um, one of the things that we've done so far is do some really detailed uh, qualitative uh, data collection, so really thorough interviews with the therapists themselves who are delivering this very trauma-focused package of care. And that's given them a chance to just be open about how they're finding the, the, the uh, delivery, sort of being trained up in that therapy and then delivering it, and, and, and the experience of being in a trial. And the key thing is that I'm keeping well out of that. Uh, that's being led by someone with no sort of interference from me. So I'm really keen to see what we have to say, but I'm not, obviously, as I'm running the study, I don't want to bias things in any way. So I'm really looking forward to hearing those views and those perspectives. And I'm hoping that'd be really helpful for uh, changing and uh, improving the kind of training that we offer to frontline professionals. From what I understand, you will have part of the study group as treatment as usual, and then the trauma-focused package going to the other half of the group. Can you tell me the big differences between these two? Well, with the, the trauma-focused package of care, what we're really trying to do is work with the children and young people to, to, to focus in detail on what's happened to them, to really make sense of it. So really helping them to understand the, their reactions and then really working through what's gone on. Um, so understanding how they felt when, it ha when these experiences happened, what they were thinking at the time, and then how they feel and think about it all now. So it's really quite detailed, quite a sustained piece of work, but and obviously trying to go 
at a, a, um, a speed that they feel comfortable, but, but yeah, being really detailed and, and focused on the trauma and, and making sense of it. With the trauma, uh, with the sort of usual care part of the study, the trauma treatment as usual, we're really just trying to understand how do clinicians in so everyday settings, everyday child and adolescent mental health uh, settings, uh, approach working with trauma. What, what trauma? What, what is it that that they draw on? What kinds of treatments or therapies do they use? What do they think is helpful? What other areas of a young person's life do they focus on? They might focus on the trauma, or they might be focusing on other things. So we want to see what kind of care that that that, that treatment usually involves, and we make no kind of restrictions on that part of the study. So we really want to give clinicians in that arm of study that full flexibility to offer whatever they think is appropriate. Ah, oh, well, that is really interesting. And it sounds like Decrypt has been a big study to deliver. What have been the challenges? Yeah, it, 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 it's, been, it's been challenging in a number of ways. We have to offer a lot of training. So we have to train up the therapists and we have to make sure we've got therapists in each team. Um, we also have to train up a lot of people who to be assessors. So ideally what we want to um, make the trial more kind of valid is have people who do our assessment. So the people who kind of um, see how the young people are getting on over time, we want them to be able to do a, a detailed PTSD assessment and we want them to be sort of blind. We don't want them to know wh which arm of the study a young person's been in. So we have to train up those assessors as well to do that role. So that's quite important. And it's obviously, like everywhere in mental health, everyone is incredibly busy. So getting them to think about research in the midst of everyday practice is hard. Um, and of course, with COVID-19, it's just made things even harder. So there's a lot of things we're trying to work um, through as we've been doing this trial. Um, and what's been, ex ex what's been exciting is partnering with people so that they, that they stick with the study. But yeah, it's not been easy. So we haven't actually mentioned the scale of the study. Can you give us an idea of the, yeah. the size of this study that we're working with? So the scale of the study is we want to get 120 young people. And, and as of today, the, uh, in the November 2020, we're up to 105. So I'm really hoping that we'll be able to get the last 15 or so participants in the next uh, three or four months and, and, and get the trial finished. But it's... um. It's been a big undertaking. Norfolk and Suffolk have been the lead uh, site and they've recruited the most participants for us, which has been fantastic. But in order to hit that target of 120, we've had to recruit from other trusts as well. So we've been working across much of England and, and now Wales. So it's gone international. So we're working with Hertfordshire, Cambridgeshire, Essex, Kent, South London and now Cardiff as well. So now we're getting down to the nuts and bolts of the study. What are your criteria for your participants? The participants entering the study have to be aged um, 8 to 17 years old. They have to have PTSD, so the symptoms I talked about earlier. Um, and they, the symptoms have to relate to more than one experience. And, and so in Decrypt, these experiences are typically things like, say, witnessing domestic violence at home, or being abused in some way, or maybe being repeatedly uh, victimised in the school or local community, or maybe sometimes falling into a gang, that kind of thing. But we, we, we're, we're open to taking on any 
kind of multiple trauma exposure that a young person has been involved in. Oh, that's great. And how have NSFT been involved in the research? Yeah, so NSFT have been the lead site. So they've um, really undertaken a lot of the kind of key checks from a research and development point of view. So checking that we're doing everything properly. And then we've, we've had fantastic support from a number of teams across the whole of Norfolk and Suffolk. So they've been teams have been flagging up people we could train up as being possible clinicians and then they've been identifying people who can help us with assessments and then crucially they've been um, helping us to identify young people who meet the those criteria of those 8 to 17 year olds who've been involved in multiple traumas and have developed PTSD as a consequence but yeah we have to work with the teams to kind of get them to uh uh, feel more confident asking about research and asking about PTSD and trauma. So I think these are things that are quite scary and there's quite a lot of concern around upsetting children and people in thinking about trauma. So taking this trauma-focused package, what has led you to believe this is the best way to treat PTSD? Yeah, well, um, I suppose we've, we, we've been informed a fair bit by what's gone on with adults, but my own research in the past has involved working with uh, several hundred children over a few st studies now who've been involved in uh, traumas and have come to emergency departments hospital emergency departments so typically things like um, car crashes um, assaults other medical emergencies basically um, and what we've done is then um, got in touch with them and, and stayed in touch with them over the following months and then we've tried to understand what happens to their post-traumatic stress disorder over time and what we've typically found is that actually a lot of children might have some post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms in the first few days or in weeks following a trauma, but many children and young people will recover uh, without sort of any formal intervention. Then what we're trying to do is sort of compare, well, how do those children differ? That to the children who maybe sort of almost shrug these experiences off, some children who maybe initially have a bad reaction and then settle down, um, and then other children who maybe go on to have a sort of persistent PTSD reaction. What we're trying to do is compare those groups, and see what 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 uh, differs between them, what, what, and what, what seems to be crucial. And some of the interesting things that we've found in our research is that things like, say, social support or how badly injured you were during a trauma, these factors don't seem to be so important. What we've found in our, in our research has been that how children perceive the trauma so how they see themselves and the world and the, yeah, the nature of their memories, how kind of sort of jumbled up their memories are, how kind of uh, sort of sensory based their memories are. These seem to be really key uh, elements or key, key risk factors for having a, a, a persistent or, or chronic PTSD uh, reaction. That is so interesting. So as far as decrypt goes, do you have any preliminary results for us? Um, not really. I mean, I think the main thing I would say is that the, the things I think are already really, really important to share is that young people seem really keen on the research. Um, a good, really a high proportion of young people, when asked to take part in the research, say yes. So we're really encouraged by that. And I think this may be anxiety in the research and clinical communities about engaging young people who've been involved in multiple traumas in this kind of research, but actually we're finding a really good, um, really good engagement. And the other key thing about that is actually we're really able to get follow-up assessments done. So young people enter the study and they stay in. And so, so far it's looking like we're gonna get over 
80, 85% of our follow-up interviews done with young people. And, and that's really, really encouraging. And that's better than we'd expected. And, and I think it just speaks to how much young people like being engaged in this kind of research. And it, it feels like actually they're sticking, even though some of these experiences are really hard, um, it feels like many of them are sticking with this study and sticking with the treatment that they're receiving in, in either arm of the study. So I'm really, I'm just already really, really encouraged about um, the sorts of things that we're going to learn. And, and it's going to take us a while to, obviously we've got to finish the study, but it's going to take us a while to unpack it. But I think there's going to be lots and lots of lessons to come. I think you've already covered this slightly, but what do you really hope to get out of the study? What are you hoping for from the results? Um, I, I, I'm hoping that it'll give us some pointers as to kind of what sorts of treatments we might think about. I mean, if it turns out there's no difference between the two groups, so this very trauma-focused package and this other, uh, and, a, and more of a usual care, more of a flexible approach, that would be really, really helpful to know. I think it'd be really, really helpful to know what factors maybe stop children and young people getting the benefits of psychotherapy. I think it's going to be really, really helpful to see how young people describe, you know, in, in those qualitative interviews, what do they find hard? What do they find helpful? I think it's going to be really, really helpful to see how young people do with the follow-up interviews. So do, does the therapy pay off in terms of long-term benefits? So one of the key things we've built into the decrypt study is some long-term follow-up so we see them after treatment but then we see them another six months after that and then we see them another two years after that so we're going to keep in touch with them maintain a relationship and see what the kind of long-term benefits are of therapy and i'm hoping all of this information will feed through into what we how we train clinicians the kind of support that we offer to clinicians and how we structure services to work better with uh, ptsd and young people Oh, that's really great and good to hear that it's going to be a long-term study. I guess you'll be perhaps publishing several times? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we want to get out some of the main findings just obviously as soon as we can. I, I'm not going to stick my neck out on that because I've no idea what 2020 has got in store. Um, yeah, or 20, let alone 2021. But we're going to try and get this study done as soon as we can. And we're so grateful for the teams have contributed to us and been thinking about of us over the, over the last sort of three years of recruitment. Um, we, we know they're keen to get the results. So we're trying to get this out as quickly as we can. So, Richard, I know that you're looking for a few more people to take part in this study. How should people get in touch? Yeah, so um, I, I guess this, really, this is a message really for clinicians in teams who work with children and young people aged 8 to 17 the, the, the thing to do if, if you if you identify a young person who might be eligible you think they might have some significant post-traumatic stress symptoms they've been involved in multiple trauma what we'd encourage you to do is um uh, get in touch the, uh, the our details for the decrypt study are on the nsft website the, the best way of getting in touch with us is to drop us an email at um decrypt d-e-c R-Y-P-T, so decrypt at uea.ac.uk. Thank you so much, Richard. That is fantastic. And I will put all the details of how to get involved with the decrypt study in the show notes. I think that brings us to an end for this week, but we will be hearing from Richard again in a podcast very soon. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please do subscribe. It's free and means the podcast will automatically download every fortnight.
do rate and review Mental Health and You and follow our social media accounts that are all in the show notes. And more than anything, look after yourself.